This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. I can't wait for today to watch Taylor Swift win the Super Bowl. I um, It's going to be an amazing, an amazing time. Um, I was actually just watching, you know, Taylor Swift's everywhere these days. I don't know if you guys knew that or, or seen that. Um, I was watching something that she had done recently on Jimmy Fallon where they were doing like a, a, comp- a music competition um, where uh, it, was, it was him against her and then the, the Roots, the band, would play like a couple notes of a song and they were trying to figure out if they could, they could guess the song. And if they didn't get it by a note or two, they'd add more notes and eventually... Uh, they would figure it out, and they, one of them would buzz in, and you, you know, they, they would answer it. And the funny part is, is that uh, they played uh, one of her songs, and she didn't get it. She missed it. Like, she was t- Jimmy Fallon got that one, you know, I was watching this. And I've seen, I've seen that kind of thing over and over again recently. There's a number of those things going on. One of them is, is a picture. So you can, you can have this picture really close, zoomed in. And as that picture is really close, zoomed in, you say, okay, what is this? Trying to figure out what it is can't guess it. It's like a pixel. You know, there's no way to guess it. And as you zoom out, you try and figure out what it is. I have a, I actually have a picture up here for you that looks like that. Like, what is this? You know? And we always say, I have no idea. It just looks like a couple things. It's a pixel of a picture. You know, we can experience it. We look at it. We go, yeah, that looks like a, looks like a something. I don't know. It's a blurry something because it's just a pixel. It's very small, very focused, right? It's really hard to determine what the whole picture is because we just have one little aspect of that, one little picture, a pixel in a picture that we can, we can guess, we can kind of see, but there's no way for us to really guess what that is. Just like a, a, one note in a song, it's impossible to guess. One pixel of a picture, we can't actually grasp it, can't actually make sense of it. And I think oftentimes in life, if you guys are like me, there are seasons of life there are times in life, there are, there are uh, parts of our lives where we, we deal with things in life so much that we get so zoomed in on trouble, on difficulty, on hardship, on desperate situations, as Tyler talked about last week, that it's, that it's like zooming in really close on a pixel of the global picture of our lives and what God has for us. And it's nearly impossible in those moments and in those seasons if we're just focused in so tightly on a pixel of all that God is doing in us to really make sense of what's happening, to make sense of life, to make sense of what God's up to, to make sense of what's tomorrow uh, bringing. It's really difficult in those moments if we are so zoomed in on a pixel in our picture to understand what he's up to to understand uh, what, what tomorrow means. And we're going to see this in Ruth today with Naomi. We are in the book of Ruth. You can turn there if you haven't done so already. My big idea this morning, my one, the, the one thing that I want you to remember this morning is simply this. We often only see one pixel of God's full picture. Whether that's in trouble or not, we, we, we can get so focused on us and today and what's happening to us today. That could be a joy. That could be things going great. 
and we just focus so closely into it, and we forget to, to, to zoom out a little bit and figure out exactly what's going on. To gain perspective might be another way uh, to do it. And I want to uh, take a look today in, in Ruth, at uh, the end of Ruth chapter 1, at two specific uh, responses or two specific aspects of this, one from Ruth and one from Naomi, which is, which is the kindness of Ruth and the blindness of Naomi. That's where we're going to go today. The kindness of Ruth and the blindness of Naomi. Let me read uh, from Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to just grab whatever phone or iPad or something you have, and you can download the Version Bible app. It's free. We're going to be using the Christian Standard Bible this morning. This is, uh, this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. This is Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Remember, we only often see one pixel of God's full picture. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and settled there, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah. So hard not to say Oprah, by the way. Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and the woman was left without both uh, her two children and without her husband. Now, let me just stop here for a second. Tyler preached on this last week, and if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to go back and, and do so. Um, let, me just, let me just make one comment about what he said. They left the, the land of blessing. They left the promised land to go, because there was a famine, to go outside of it and try to find uh, something, whether that was some other form of, um, you know, some other form of, of food or some other form of maybe making their own way somewhere else from where they were in Bethlehem. But they left that land to go find their own places. Now, we don't know. Let me just make this comment. We don't know if her husband would have died anyway in Israel. We don't know if her sons would have died anyway in Israel. At the same time frame, the difference is if they would have died in Israel, in her hometown or where they lived, there would have been people around. She wouldn't have felt alone. She would have been in this land of blessing with people that she knew and loved. And instead, now they're in, in Moab, and, and they're, they're the Hebrews that are there, and they're kind of alone amongst the Moabites and trying to figure it out. And now her sons die, and she's left here uh, with these daughters-in-law. We see this in verse 6. This is our text this morning. She and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's need by providing them food. There was, there was food and blessing there in the, in the land of Israel. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the to the dead and to me, to my sons and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them and they wept loudly. She's essentially saying, I want you to go back to where you came from in Moab 
and find husbands there. In this time period, not having a husband, not even having sons, there was really no future for you. This is seen as status, some sort of status. And so she's saying, there's nothing. If you stay with me, you, you're not going to get married. You're not going to have children. You need to go find that somewhere else. And then they said to her, we insist on returning with you to your people, both of them. We're not going anywhere. But she replied, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Are you going to wait till they're whatever, you know, 18 years old? Like, are you going to wait that long? I also want you just to notice how many times she's referencing daughters and daughters-in-law. She, she sees them as family. She sees them as her own. And she's saying, you need to go somewhere else. Find a future for you. There is no future with me. Would you restrain yourselves, the end of verse 13, from remarrying? No, my daughters, my life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, meaning she kissed her and then she left to go back to Moab. And she went back to Moab, not just to the place, but to the gods. Chemosh is the god there. And she's, she goes back. She's, she leaves her, her Hebrew family and she goes back to where she came. But Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. Two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her, daughters-in-law, with her daughter-in-law Ruth, the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So they leave uh, the land of promise in search of blessing. They're trying to find something new, something for themselves. They were trying to perhaps find some food. What's interesting is, is Naomi says, I left full. I left Israel full. So what does that mean? Did, did, does it just mean she's thinking about her husband and sons as being full? Or, or was it more? There, there's a lot of people that think that they were a, a well-to-do family 
in Israel. And they, they left because there was famine, but they were just trying to go make it somewhere else, trying to find some other place to be prosperous, trying to go their own way and do something as Elimelech went out from them. And there's two observations from this text that I want to see. Remember, we're talking about zooming in on a pixel. Naomi has essentially taken an aspect of her life and zoomed all the way in, and she's focusing on one thing, that God has opposed me. But she, she needs to, to back up a little bit, and we're going we're gonna to see this in two things. The first one is Ruth's kindness. Ruth's kindness. God had provided for his people. He had remembered them, it says. He remembered them in a famine, and he had seemed to provide food for them. And so she sees, hey, wait a second. Uh, where I am in Moab, I'm, we're still like this destitute out here. But if I go back to Israel, that's, that's the blessing. The Lord, he's, he, he's there. He, he's providing for his people. I should maybe go back. We tried to make it outside of that, that place, that, that promised land, the house of God, if you will. We've tried to make it outside that, and it didn't work. And, we, we, and I want to I go back. I've lost my sons, and I've lost my husband here. I want to I go back. She realizes it's time to go back. One thing that we want to grasp here, and this is really important, because the, the book of Ruth is really about the heart of God, and we have to understand the heart of God. And to do so, we need to see this story, this accounting in Ruth, and Naomi in particular, Less so, I think, about God's punishment of her, which it's not. And we need to see it more in light of what Jesus talks about in the New Testament uh, when he talks about the parable of the prodigal. This is a prodigal son account. Think about it. They, they leave the land. There's something that they, they want to try and find something else outside of it. And so they, they go, they leave where God had promised them. Hey, this is the, the land of promise, the land of blessing. They leave and they're trying to make their own way. And yet, yet back in Israel, there is, there is fullness. There's something there. And they re- she realizes, I need to go home. I need to go home because, because I want to go back to my people. I want to go back to where God is. And so she, she realizes that she, she left full, but man, she was full, and now she comes back empty. Doesn't that sound like the prodigal son? He goes away full, like I have everything. And he goes to try and make it, and he realizes that the, that the consequences of leaving have left him in a state of, of just destitution. And so he needs to go back home. If you think about the, the, the father in that story of the prodigal son, he's waiting with open arms. Like, come home. This is the heart of God for her. She doesn't see it. She's zoomed in on a pixel of the picture. And as Naomi is zoomed in, she looks around and she realizes, my family's gone. I have these daughters, essentially, that I inherited. They're not even really mine. They're my daughters-in-law. I, I treat them like daughters. But, but I want them to find prosperity because I haven't found any. She says it. God's opposed me. I'm bitter. I have nothing to offer. I'm not going to get married again. I'm not going to find a husband. I'm not going to have children. I'm not going to have any more grandchildren. This is not happening for me. So why would you tether yourself to me? I'm sinking. This is Naomi's perspective. I'm sinking. The Lord's done it. I'm sinking. He has not shown kindness to me. You, you guys need to go back. Find husbands. Have children. Enjoy life. Find some hope. 
And uh, they both resist, but in the end, Orpah um, goes back. She, she says, you're right, I want to I go be a wife with the gods of the Moabites and with the people of Moab. I'm going to go back and become a wife. And Ruth says, I don't want to be a wife. I want to be a daughter. Notice what, notice what she says to her as well. She's just, she is so focused on not leaving her. Look at, look at the, this, this saying that she says here in verse 16. She says, don't, please don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. Listen to what she says. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She's saying, I'm turning from the Moabites. I don't care about their gods. I want my God to be your God. And she actually uses uh, the divine name here in, in verse 17. The Lord, all caps, Yahweh. She says, may the Lord punish me. I, I will die where you die. She's saying, I'm not going to leave you. You're asking me to leave you? I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not leaving this. As a matter of fact, I will die to make sure that you are safe. I will die before I do anything else to provide for you. I'm here for you. My life is forfeited for you. This is what Ruth is saying to Naomi. This is the kindness. This is the kindness of Ruth. To Naomi, isn't it? Naomi could have gone back alone. And Ruth says, no. Even if it means my future, I'm staying with you. I'm going to be a part of your people. I'm your daughter. Let me just push pause for a second as a church. The call for us in the New Testament is constantly one another's. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Walk with those in trouble. Love one another. Really, it's a call to Ruthish kind of existence. We are called to be like Ruth as a church, to look around and say, wait a second. We don't let anybody go on their own. No, no, we are in this together. We're called one anothering uh, to one anothering with each other. To, to say, hey, I, I, I'm with you on this. In the hard times, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. In the good times, yeah, I'm with you here. This is the call of the church. This is the call of the Christian to, to demonstrate kindness and love like Ruth did to Naomi. This is the call. And the Lord uh, brings, uh, brings Naomi back as she's coming back as she sees it with a faithful companion. She's not alone. But Naomi does not see it that way. She's zoomed in. There's a, there's a pixelized version of her picture that she's seeing. This is the second point, is Naomi's blindness. She comes back to Bethlehem. She says, I, I was full. I was full when I, when I left, and now I'm empty. I want you to notice, too, that, that the women, I mean, she's been gone for a decade or more, and the, the women are like, is that Naomi? I mean, we age in a decade, but, but maybe the, the, the time has taken such a toll on her that they're saying, I think that that might be Naomi. She come back? 
And I also want you to notice one thing. This is a, this is a global Ruth, uh, Book of Ruth thing we want to we grasp and we'll come back to. Names in this book of the Bible are incredibly important. They're very important. Ruth, um, the name Ruth is a, is a Moabite word. It's not Hebrew. So the, the translation's sketchy, but the best that they can uh, determine is that it means friend or friendship. The name Naomi means sweet or pleasant. It's the name that just means sweet. And such is her zoomed-in, pixelized version of, uh, of life that when they say, hey, Naomi, is, is that you? Verse 20, Na- Naomi, is that you? She says, don't call me sweet. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. She can't hear it. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to listen to that kind of thing. She says, no, I, I don't want you to call me that. I want you to call me Mara. Because Mara means bitter. Naomi means sweet. And she says, I, there's nothing sweet about me. There's no sweetness here. I am, I am bitter. And I want, you to, I want you just to recall one more time her, why she feels like she's bitter. Verse 20, for, I am bitter, for because the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me sweet? Since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. She, she's looking at this reality for her. Her husband died her sons died. She's left alone. She has no future in her mind. There's nothing that she's really living for. She's all alone. There's nothing here. She looks at this and she says, the Lord's done this to me. The Lord's done this to me. Now, I also want you to notice the names of the Lord that she uses. Names are important in Ruth. She calls him the Almighty. This is the word Shaddai, or sometimes we hear it El Shaddai, God Almighty. She just calls him the Almighty One. The Almighty One, meaning that in her theology and her understanding, she understands even in Moab, God was not absent her. God was there with her, the one who guides steps, the one who leads, the one who provides, the one who's with us, the one who knows all things and and, uh, has made all things and holds all things. That's who she believes the the Lord to be. He is the Almighty One, and the Almighty One has made her bitter, and the Almighty One has afflicted her, and He also calls her the Lord. Notice, all caps. Whenever we see in the Bible, all caps— that's the Yahweh word, the Almighty, uh, God Almighty, the, the, the one who is the I Am, revealed himself to Moses. It's the God that we worship. And so she recognizes that this is the Lord, the, the, the Almighty and uh, the I Am, the, the, the one who is loving and, and loves his people. And she says, the Lord, I Am, he's brought me back empty. And the Lord has opposed me, in verse 21. Now, I, I just want to stop for a second. I read this earlier. Let me, let, me, let me read this again because I want to make sure we understand who the Lord is. He tells us his name, and he tells us what his name means. And it's in Exodus 34, 
verse 5, and it says, The Lord came down in a cloud, this is to Moses, stood with him there and proclaimed his name, the Lord, all caps, Yahweh, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord. The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Think about that. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful or steadfast love and truth, maintaining that faithful or steadfast love for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Yes, he will not leave the guilty unpunished. So he's just, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. The question as we look at this is, which one of those is Naomi? Is Naomi the guilty that needs to be punished? Or is Naomi under the steadfast, compassionate, gracious, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, sin to a thousand generations? She believes the Lord is her God. And I think she's so zoomed in on the situation that she finds herself in that she's viewing her circumstances as if she is one of the guilty ones that he says will find themselves under judgment and justice. And clearly, the judgment and justice that God is bringing has led to the death of her husband and the death of her sons. And and now she's all alone. There is no hope that God has not shown kindness to her. She is left alone. She has no future. There is no inheritance. There's nothing coming. This is who she is. In her zoomed in, pixelized, not clear kind of way. Now let me just push pause here for a second and just make a note to us. Naomi's words here are very vulnerable. She is speaking things out of the vulnerability of her heart, which we we could actually uh, take a look at and say this is a lament. This is a lament from Naomi. She is recognizing, "I I am bitter, the Lord has done this to me. I am, I am bitter. Please don't call me sweet. She's feeling all of these things. And let me just say, the feeling of these things and the expression of these things only comes from a heart that fully trusts and fully believes that God loves them and is for them. You can't lament like this unless you have full trust in God Almighty. If, if she was trying to somehow appease the Lord, she would never say this out loud. She's just trying to make it clear, hey, this is where I feel like I am. And this is a biblically appropriate thing to say. If you are lamenting, if you have a heart that is struggling with life and where you're at, and you're complaining essentially to the Lord about these things, and you find yourself saying some of these things, and afterwards you feel guilty or ashamed, let me just say, stop feeling guilty or ashamed because God's listening to you. God's listening to you. 
This, this phrase that she's saying does not make her ungodly. It does not make her unholy. It does not mean she doesn't trust the Lord. It just means as she, in her zoomed-in, pixelized version of life, she can only see so much. She is not able at this point to zoom out. In this situation, she looks around and says, Surely the Lord is against me. Surely this is uh, where, where I am. Surely this is what he's doing to me. But if she were to only zoom out just a little bit, like if she were, if she's looking here, and if she were just to take two steps back and just look around, she'd recognize one of the people that she's saying this to is God's kindness to her, which is Ruth. Because Ruth says, I'm not going anywhere. Wait a second, you feel like you're alone? Yeah, alone. I'm with you. And Ruth, can you just imagine Ruth sitting there going, wait a second, you're saying that you're, God's left you? What, guys, you're alone? Like, I'm here. What are you saying? I just told you I was going to leave everything for you. I'm leaving my home. I'm coming to you. I'm leaving my, the gods. And I'm, I want your God to be my God. Can you just imagine Ruth probably thinking to yourself, well, that makes me feel amazing. Like, you know, I, I'm giving myself for you. Like, I, here I am. I'm, I'm trying to show kindness to you. And she just can't see it. You know why? Because oftentimes in the midst of this kind of difficulty, in this desperate situation, we can't. It's really hard for us to zoom out and see just even random parts of God's kindness on us and love for us. We, we wind up zooming in and just feeling like, God is against me. You ever feel like that? Man, Lord, you ever had the, the prayer where you just think, Lord, enough. What are you doing? Why, why does this keep happening to me? I feel like I'm getting out of a hard situation. You just bring me back into a hard situation. What are you doing? And sometimes, as a side note, what the Lord is doing is just trying to remove certain things that are blinding us to who he is. It doesn't feel good. And it's not based out of a punishment. It's based out of his love and kindness. Look, if we, if we have a, an understanding in a theology that God, the Lord Almighty, uh, the Lord who, who uh, revealed himself to Moses in Exodus and tells us who he is, if we believe, wait a second, you delight in me, your steadfast love is on me, your mercy is there for me, your grace is there for me, you, you, are, you are pushing me forward and holding me up out of love, not out of punishment. If we have that understanding, when we think about our situations, we might be able to take a couple steps back and see a little bit more. But man, it's hard, isn't it? If you're like me, it is difficult, if you're in Naomi's situation, to feel like I've been left alone, I have nothing left in the midst of trouble, we can often just focus on just a small part of what we see God doing and forget there is a larger picture. There is a larger picture. And there is a larger picture. Look, when we, when we think about Naomi and Ruth, think about this whole encounter here as we, as we lead to something else. Remember that Tyler said this last week, at the very end of Ruth, I'm spoiling it, that's okay. She, she is the great-great-grandmother of King David. God hasn't left her. 
She can't see it. But God hasn't left her. As a matter of fact, his kindness is on her. Think about this. Now, this is, this is the kind of stuff we can't understand. If they had never left to go to Moab, Ruth wouldn't even be in the Bible. Naomi wouldn't even be in the lineage of David, let alone the Messiah. <laughs> so we think, oh, God's left her and she's like, I'm like, God's opposed me. Well, maybe what God's doing is he's showing you how much you need and sometimes this is our experience. Church, we, we only see small pictures, and it's hard for us to zoom out. It's really hard for us to zoom out. But what if we could see a glimpse of his kindness? I want to show you that first pixel, pixelized picture one more time. If you could show that up here, Ben. You have no idea what that is. But remember, as we look at Ruth, I, I want to make one more connection for you. Naomi's lost. She's trying to figure out how to get home. She feels alone. She feels abandoned. And there's somebody with her who says to her, hey, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And we zoom out a little bit. It's the next picture here. We zoom out just a little bit. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. As a matter of fact, Listen, if, 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 it takes, um, if it takes the demonstration of my kindness to you to go all the way to the point of death, I will do it because I will die uh, before I leave you. Let's go out one more, one more picture here. I am going to die before I leave you. I am not going anywhere. You think you're alone? You think that you think that that you are just abandoned? You think that you are forsaken? You think that you think that all of a sudden God's forgotten about you and there is no kindness at all? You're trying to find kindness. You think there is no kindness. There is nothing in my life that shows God's kindness to me. Zoom out one more time, Ben, if you could. There is not anything to show one more kindness. I am I am alone. That's what you think. And Ruth's saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to leave my home to come to where you are and I will die for you. One more time, Ben. We think, as we think about this, that we sometimes have no kindness of God in our lives, that we are just alone. You recognize that Ruth's words to Naomi aren't just Ruth's words to Naomi. They are God's words to Naomi. They are God's words to Naomi through Ruth to remind her, I'm not going anywhere. And church, here's the reality. They're also God's words to us. Because as we think about our lives and we find ourselves in desperate situations where we wonder... God, you've left me, the Lord Almighty, who's steadfast in love, is not showing steadfast love to me. The God who can remove the situations and keep my husband alive and keep my sons alive has not done it, and therefore he must be against me. But the whole time, he's painting a picture for Naomi that will lead not just to King David, but to King Jesus. And man, if, if Naomi knew the whole picture, 
I promise you, if Naomi stepped back and was able to look at the full picture of her life and say, oh, wait a second, the end of all this is the king that is like the greatest king in Israel who paves the way for an even greater king who's the Messiah, which we've been looking for forever, for my whole life I've been waiting for this Messiah to come. And you're going to tell me that I am in the lineage of the King David and the King Jesus, and that's my lineage, and this whole picture and everything that I did going to Moab and everything is going to lead to that? She would say, let's do it again. And listen, this this is us. Because we can get lost in the shuffle and feel like, I don't know what's going on. The Lord must be against me. Well, maybe what the Lord's doing is working things that we can't see. Actually, there's no maybe about it. That's what he is doing, Christian. We think the Lord's kindness isn't on me. Well, let's take a look. Let's step back and think there's a cross that's empty and a tomb that's empty And a God who says, my faithful love is on you. Look, if if all of our situations, we see them as, and the, the undercurrent of it is the love of God for us, as opposed to the punishment of God towards us, man, that changes everything. We have to grasp it. And Ruth, in, in uh, the kindness of God, uh, is showing this to Naomi, and really in the kindness of God is helping us. How are we going to live this out? Well, first, before I even get to a live it out point, let me say, if you're not a Christian, um, you can get in on this. It's not hard. If you're not a Christian, you're thinking, oh, I don't know anything about Jesus. I've heard, it, heard, him, heard about him, but I don't know about it. I, I would say to you, yeah, you know, um, we, we live life and we, we like to do our own things and we like to have our own freedoms and we like to figure out life on our own and we like to do that kind of stuff. But when we encounter the living God, the one who is the Almighty, the one who has steadfast love to us, the one who really makes sense of all of life, things begin to to change. And maybe you're in a situation where you're wondering what life is. And you're wondering where hope is and where where a future is. And I would say that future and that hope is found uh, in this God we're talking about here and uh, Jesus who died on a cross for you. And you can get in on this kindness as well. It's just belief. It's just trusting of what he did. And I'd love to talk to you afterwards. You're welcome to come on up here. I'll have a conversation with you about that, what it means. If you're asking questions, please, please ask those questions either with me or somebody who brought you. For the rest of us, how can we live this out? I want you to, one point, see your picture not as one pixel, but in light of the whole picture. Just, just begin simply with this. God is a God who is faithful, compassionate, abounding in love and faithfulness to you. You are the beloved of God. You are loved by him. We can have different versions of who God is. Sometimes we think of him as like a a dictator who's just trying to get us to comply. Sometimes we can can view him as a a parent. Maybe you had a, a dad who was not a kind person. And every time he did something wrong, he would just destroy you. Those are, all, those are all wrong views of who God is. God is one who wants to come alongside you in his loving kindness and know you and have you know him. And he's constantly working to that end. 
And if we can see it that way, then we, I think we can take some steps backwards to see a fuller picture. Because Jesus came, left his own land, came here, and died for you. This is the reality of, of our biblical life as we think about the Christian life. We want to we grasp this and understand it. Julie, I'm going to have you come on up with the band. We want to grasp this and understand it. Look, as we go through Ruth, names are important. Uh, these situations are important. We're going to see uh, that there's words coming up like redeemer, all meant to point forward to a redeemer. This is, Ruth is a great book because we're going to see future hopes as we go. It really teaches us about who God is in his kindness. And we want to see it, the kindness of God in Ruth. To, to accomplish the reality of actually seeing our whole picture and not just a pixel, we have to be purposely biblical. This is one of our values. We can't just say, well, I'll just figure it out as I go. No, we have to be purposely biblical. We have to read our Bibles and figure out, okay, who is the Lord? Who is he? And how does he interact with me? How does he view me? What does it look like for him to love me? What does that mean for me? And as we think about those things, it'll help us walk it out because the love of God is a picture. And sometimes as we think about it in our own lives, we just need others to help us see it. Like Ruth did for Naomi, which is the beauty of the church, yes? This is who we are. This is what we do. In a, in a minute, we're going to take uh, the Lord's Supper. So as we sing this song in response, if you haven't gotten it yet, they're on the back tables. You can go grab that. If you're a Christian, even if you're a, a part of another church and you're visiting here today, you can go grab those and take the Lord's Supper uh, with us. Listen, I hope that as we go through this book, one of the things we constantly see and recognize and understand and let soak in is that God's posture towards us is always kindness and love. May we, may we grasp that. May we understand that. And may we know it deeply in our souls. Yes? Let me pray for us and then we'll sing. Lord, our, um, our understanding, Lord, in, in many ways is so limited to what you have uh, to show us here in the scriptures, which is on the, on the one hand, we look and it's just like it's one book, but there is so much here. And I pray that your spirit, as we go through uh, this, this book of the Bible over the next few weeks, I pray that your spirit would be on us. Lord, may we be a, a, a church and a people who are contented and desirous of your love and recognizing how much you delight in us and how much you are for us and with us. Even in moments where we are blinded and we are lamenting like Naomi did appropriately. Lord, as we're doing that, Lord, give us fresh eyes in those situations to see you. Lord, open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts to understand you, to see your love for us, to know what is the height and depth and width and breadth of your unfailing, steadfast love. May we know it and may we see it. For your name we pray, amen. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.